In this episode of What the Prophets Say, join Emma and myself for a deep conversation on the levels of heaven, where Satan lives, and the ultimate goal of where you should be prophesying from, which is better than you can imagine in this conversation with What the Prophets Say. Well, hello, family, and welcome to this episode of What the Prophets Say. It's myself, Sam Robertson here. You'll be used to this voice now that we are in the 40s when it comes to our episodes and joined always by the incredible Emma Stark for another feast of a conversation. We have our notes and our coffee ready to discuss all things revelation and prophecy. How are you doing today, Emma? I am super well. We just had lunch. We have. And... About three doors down from this studio is a curry house who do, well, I think they just do pakora. They just do pakora. And they say they are the best pakora in in Scotland, in Glasgow, in in the world. I I don't remember what their publicity is, probably not the world. But they are utterly outstanding. Not dry and disappointing. Vegetable pakora jalapeno and spinach what did we have yeah, and chicken. chicken so uh, come to Glasgow and get the world's best pakora yes yes it is, <laughs> it is really good so we feel fed, fed. we feel ready to have yes. a conversation that hopefully will blow your mind and provoke you to because we are foodies you see so if foodies. there's good food we're alright and of course in heaven there will be lots of different it's cheeses oh, well it's cheeses yeah the ba- the wedding of the lamb the banqueting feast is definitely got cheese. a cheese course there must, must surely Jesus must have a cheese course he must have a cheese course yes uh-huh. <laughs> cheeses <laughs> absolutely in heaven that's the banqueting feast <laughs> the banqueting the feast yes absolutely yes. and Sounds a good, good smoked cheese a smoked cheese yeah some crackers a chutney yeah, yeah. A relish. Yeah. Now we're getting, <laughs> now, now we're getting sidetracked by all we, our We favorite. were happy with Bacora, but now we could do with that. Uh, yeah. Some cheese. Like uh, Hobbit's second breakfast. Absolutely. Second yes. lunch. Second lunch. Absolutely. Shall we prophesy? We shall. So we have been discussing um, really what the goal is when it comes to prophesying. Where do we prophesy from? It's a question we want to answer today. And I think uh, and uh, both Emma, myself, and some other prophets sharpening one another just on the concept of mm-hmm. do we prophesy from the first heaven? You might have heard that before. Mm-hmm. What about from the third heaven where the throne of God is? Do we yeah. prophesy from there? Or is there somewhere else that we want to prophesy from? And I guess part of it is we're hearing a lot of conversations about it. But we wanted to talk about the goal, the aim, where do we want to prophesy from? Is it Mm -hmm. from earth? Is it the second heaven? Is it the third heaven? Or is it somewhere else? And really discuss for the next while um, around the the idea that actually there's somewhere better than the third heaven altogether to prophesy from. And we want that to be your goal and your aim. Yes, and actually this is going to push some challenging concepts about the spirit realm and the levels of heaven, and we're going to talk about that together. So let's start from uh, a place that God created the heavens, plural, and the earth, that all of the earth realm, but also all of the heavens are created spaces. 
That means that none is more superior or yeah. less superior or more impressive or less impressive. They are all with divine function and godly backing created, created. places. Now, what fascinates me in that is God, who is outside of time, outside of creation, outside of um, anything that we would know how to uh, to conceptualize, is not a spe- spirit being. He is being itself. Yeah. And that is a massive difference. So when God then steps into creating the heavens and the realms of the spirit as ways of encounter, both on the earth and in the spirit, you see this fascinating place where he's trying to create a throne room for for his supreme being to sit. And it's this peculiar sense that he can't create a space that can contain him. Yeah. So when we say God lives in the third heaven, that's just really nonsense. Yeah. You can see, according to Paul in Corinthians, that God has seated a throne in a third heaven context and has a throne yeah. room, but that the train of his robe fills the temple, Isaiah 6, because not any created space, even a heavenly created yeah. space, is grand or big enough to contain him. He is outside of anything created, including the heavens. Totally. And I think our view of God, um, no matter how broad we are able to stretch our minds, is of a created being. You know, God yes. doesn't exist. He is existence itself. Yes. And that sense of often in our in our minds, we relegate God to the created place and I love you know Isaiah 6 the train of his robe filled the temple and that sense that just the end of God's robe is so enormous that that spiritual temple is filled every part of it is filled to overflowing just by the end of his robe and that image of the bigness of God of the being of God that is uncontainable in a created structure. He can fill a created structure not with all of who he is but with part of who he is and so we want to push here I guess in our conversations about why are we striving for the end goal being prophesying from a created place when actually God invites us to prophesy from being in him. Yes. So let's go to a couple of scriptures here as I'm just turning pages here. So we've talked a lot um, about what happens at the point of your salvation. So, and we understand that from uh, 1 Corinthians six seventeen. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. It's one of my favorite verses, and you'll hear me quote it an awful lot, that there is the reality of the Spirit of God being an indwelling spirit. So that either when I am prophesying, I am tuning in to the indwelling spirit and I'm prophesying from this remarkable place of deep intimacy and connection from the God who lives within me and is connected to my spirit. So I don't need to fly around or be caught up to that. It's lovely when God does 
does that, like he did with Ezekiel, it's lovely when he pulls you up to another one of his created places, like a third heaven for a third heaven style encounter. And that's a key part of prophets in scripture. And we honour that place. But actually, I have to be one who is intimate with the indwelling spirit. So it's not about, do I prophesy from first heaven? Do I prophesy from second heaven? If that is even a right thought, do I prophesy from third heaven? If even that is a right thought? No, 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 no. I prophesy by the reality of the truth of the spirit who I am listening to, who is indwelling me. Yeah. It's massive. And that, I mean, I love Ezekiel 3.11, how God has set eternity in the hearts of men. But I think our unfortunate misinterpretation is we read that and think God has set heaven in the hearts of men. But he's saying, no, I have set eternity. I have set within you the ability to grasp the eternal that is not created, the un created and that is because the spirit of god united with ours uh, here so what we're saying is not that you don't have third heaven encounters because we, we do. Ha- we, do. we do it's a normal part of life but it's saying the goal the driving point mm-hmm. the motivation is that the third heaven encounters come out of being in God and of God being in us yes. and then he takes us where he pleases so let let's keep pushing these concepts so we've already looked at that 1 Corinthians 6, 17, that uh, I am indwelled by the Spirit. So then we have things like 2 Corinthians 5, 12, where I have become the righteousness of God. God. So I have an indwelling Spirit, but my whole being has become the righteousness of God. Now let's start to layer. We're now going to look at John 17. And John 17 is that great prayer of of Jesus where he's saying, uh, he's contending in his intercession for oneness. And there's some great turns of phrase within John 17 that I want to be in them and and you in me, that we might be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you have sent me and, and love them even as you've loved me so the sense of being entwined or in in each other and that is a fascinating sense of the the god who we are inside but the but the spirit who indwells so i like to talk about that as as you would a sandwich and i know it's a little bit crazy it's my new analogy that actually i have the I'm sandwiched that actually in me is the spirit, but I'm also inside God and I've been made the righteousness of God by the blood of Jesus. And so here I am in this place of remarkable proximity continually to to the spirit, to God, to Jesus, who is Emmanuel, the God Mm. who is with us. And that actually when I come to prophesy, I'm prophesying from inside God or from the spirit who is indwelling me, mm-hmm. whether I'm in Corinthians or whether I'm in John 17. And the concept of you must prophesy from the third heaven, which is a created place, is nonsense. Yeah. And why would you have that as the goal, a created place, when you can have the uncreated, you can have the eternal, you can have being in existence and self, God, as from inside and outside. And I love that, even just to dine out for our listeners on this, that you 
are when you are aware of the spirit, you can't escape the presence because he's yes. inside, he's outside, he's all around, he's present, his spirit one with your spirit inside where he's set eternity and the spirit around you, the spirit upon you yeah. and the awareness first of the spirit realm but actually the, the spirit of God that is all around as you say Emma like a sandwich like a sandwich and I actually think this makes revelation and prophecy a lot easier it than does. we think because it's based on listening in the context of a relationship mm. and a spiritual place I am already at yeah. rather than I've got to somehow escape the earth yeah. to have a hope of hearing the voice of God yeah. so if you you see I think we have got this thought and I, I think I want to debunk it oh if I prophesy from the first heaven I'm all about politics or if I prophesy from the second heaven I'm all about demons and if I prophesy from the third heaven I'm all about escapism and Gnosticism now I, I'm going to pull that those that that thought apart but we do then try to get ourselves yeah. up 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 and away and out yeah we do and 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 spend an awful lot of energy trying to get somewhere else to be able to prophesy rather than sitting in the context of a relationship and an indwelling spirit and being in God himself where I yeah. am all of the time. Mm. And that sense of making revelation harder than it yeah. actually is. And then the dangerous place where prophecy becomes a transaction or an encounter rather than an ongoing relationship and a union with God and a fellowshipping with the Spirit. And then yeah. you put, if you're not careful, prophecy becomes an event. Prophecy becomes a moment. Yes. Prophecy becomes something I have to work myself up to. And mm -hmm. rather than it is the overflow of a life sandwiched by the Spirit of God, inside and outside yeah. of me, living in awareness of what it is to be in God. So God never says to the prophets, prophesy from third heaven. That's not a biblical thought. Now, we do see some prophets who are in the throne room of God who share revelation from that place. But I think when God is saying to the prophets, come up here, what he is actually, and he said that a lot, he's really meaning come into God, come into an awareness of being in me and prophesying from the posture yeah. of connection with me, I think really is what that is, is saying. Now we talk about prophesying from a heavenly perspective. I'm not sure that that, that language a helps us, yeah. but it's prophesying from a God perspective about yeah. some things. Um, the other thing I would say is, can we have a conversation? I think we've alluded to it in earlier podcast, but we've never landed it about what are the levels of heaven and are we right in our thinking about the levels of heaven mm -hmm. or are we just messing ourselves up mm -hmm. by telling people they need to get somewhere that is just not biblically particularly signed. Yeah. So we obviously know in scripture that we're on solid ground with the fact that God in the opening chapters of Genesis creates the heavens, plural, and the earth. So we, but we're never really told how many levels of heaven there are. Yeah. We just understand in a very broad brushstroke way that this supreme creator, God, has many realms heavens. and dimensions and heavens. Yep. That's about as much as we actually know. No. But scripture also alludes to some language of first 
and Third Heaven. Yes. And in that, it alludes to language. It doesn't give a prescription. It doesn't give mm-hmm. a, a, a completely uh, uh, stretched out, fleshed out explanation. Mm-hmm. But scripture, you can read in portions about Third Heaven possibly being uh, about the throne room. A, th- well, a, throne, a throne room. A throne room. A throne room. Yeah. And First Heaven being about what you see here. So there are two very clear things that you can cite in scripture and one is Paul in Corinthians who has that gloriously interesting dialogue where he says, you know, I met a man once who was caught up to um, third heaven, whether in the body or yeah. not in the body, I do not know. And he's wrestling there with: was he? Was it? Did it? Did his whole being go, body and soul, or did his spirit just go? And you, you see the wrestle of not quite being sure, but nonetheless, what we do know that he cites for definite yeah. is the concept of a place named third, third heaven. heaven. Um, now, is that the ultimate of the heavens? Who knows? It doesn't say. Is that the ultimate? You just can't conjecture that. Is there only only three? Yeah, yeah. Is there only three? You just don't know. There is no mention ever in Scripture of anything called Second Heaven. I don't even think it's alluded to in Scripture. Now, we're going to deal with some Scriptures where people might think, well, what about, what about? First Heaven is neither mentioned by name either. You only get the word third heaven. You can probably be on quite safe territory with the thought that our physical atmosphere is called a heaven. Mm. And we talk about that being first heaven, but, you know, and it talks about um, the birds in the heaven. So we know that birds, says that several times in scripture, we know that where there are birds flying, physical birds flying is called by the the word of God as the heavens. In mm. other words, our atmosphere, oxygen, where we breathe, carbon dioxide, nitrogen, is categorized as a heaven. So we ca- call that yeah. first heaven. Yep. But we don't have absolutes in terms no, of, you know, turn don't. to this book of the Bible and this passage and it will give you the complete explanation. So we're filling in blanks Yes. Here about it. But I think, again, can we circle round as we're discussing these realms, these layers, these heavens, yes. whatever kind of language you want to use, they are all within the context of created spaces. Yes. And they are all within the context of the Genesis 1, God created the heavens and the earth. Yes. Now, what this pushes is the question, where is Satan? Yes. And that's really key because we like the thought of God in the heavens, then a little realm that Satan has that we like to name second heaven, though that's nowhere in scripture. And then we like to have this thought of, well, we're in first heaven on the earth. Yeah. So let's debunk that sense of God in third heaven, second in uh, Satan in second heaven, mm. and man in first heaven. Mm. That's ju- in fact that's anti scripture. Because the only place that we see Satan cast down to is Earth. Is Earth. Yet we have some peculiar idea mm-hmm. that Satan is in some sort of anti-heaven realm. Yes. Some other anti-heaven realm. I would put it like this, because obviously Satan is spirit. Satan is a spirit being on the earth. Yes. He is cast down as a spirit being 
on the earth. It's why it says in scripture that he roams around the earth, the earth. like a devouring lion. Yes. Now, really, the, the first time we see this concept is in Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel is the great passage that talks about, I saw Satan hurled like lightning to the earth, and then, of yeah. course, he's consumed by flame and made ashes in, in front of the princes and the kings. And he's he is given the earth as his dwelling place. Mm-hmm. So any sense of hate, Satan being in hell is not true mm. in that Satan is the uh, Satan for him. Hell or the abyss is the one place he, he does want not to want to be. It's punishment for Satan as it much as anything. It is punishment. So it is you, you read the, the revelation scriptures yeah. about the angel throwing Satan into the abyss at the end of all time. And that being in a sense of eternal punishment. He has to get locked in it because yep. he would want to escape otherwise. Yes. It's where he does not want yeah. to be. So Satan is very clearly roaming on the earth, hurled to the earth, yeah. wrestling for the kingdoms of this world, um, which are his. Yeah. He, uh, clearly we see that, um, that he offers him to Jesus at the temptation because they are his to mm-hmm. give. He's already he, in the garden. He's already in the garden. I mean, all of that stuff is the reality that Satan is is here. Can I tell you, he actually wants to be here. He does. He wants to have ownership and possession of as much as he can try to own or possess or influence or impact, whichever is the most appropriate terminology. But Satan wants a sense of impact, mass impact, where he lives, where he's been sent, which is the earth. Mm -hmm. Which is a created space. So... For those listening, because I think this will be like a... For some of people, they'll be thinking, what on earth? I thought he lived in hell. I thought no. this. I thought that was his domain. That sense of, of Satan having an anti-heaven domain that he's set up himself. He's here on the earth. Yeah. Why? I think because he, he wants control, yes. But he knows the only place he can get authority is if we give it to him. And he so needs he us. He needs us to delegate authority Absolutely. to him because he doesn't have it. Absolutely, and that's why we want to at all times yeah. be prophesying from being in God. In God, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And the indwelling explosion of the Spirit. Yeah. And there's there's lots of examples. You know, just uh, Isaiah 14. You can read the whole scripture about how Satan is cut cut down and sent to the ground. Luke 10, 18, where the Ezekiel scripture of Satan falling yeah. like lightning again is re-emphasized. Yeah. Jesus reteaches it. It is very evident in scripture that Satan is on the earth as a devouring lion. If I prophesy from a very unbiblical place, the first, second, or, or, or heaven, I'm going to prophesy within the limitations of a created place. Absolutely. That is massive. And you'll never be able to see outside of what is already created when you prophesy from a created if that is space. Your, if that is your only grid for prophesying. Yes, yes, yes. The other thing then is let's talk about how we think of it. We think about, um, and I'll try to describe it for those who are only listening yeah. on audio, we tend to think of going up, up. like 
here is the earth realm. It's the lowest. Then we have this funny notion about second heaven, unsightable in scripture, somewhere up higher. And then third heaven being up higher again, like it's going up stairs. Like I'm on a staircase and somehow up, up, up is. Okay. I think a much better way to, to do it is to look to the left and to the right of you. Because the word of God says heaven is at, or sorry, the kingdom of God is at hand. So we are looking for the kingdom to the left and the right of us or or God to the left and the right of us. So you you do have to deal with, you do have to deal with two scriptures. One is um, Ephesians 2.20, which talks about Satan being the prince of the power of the air. Now, that doesn't mean he's upstairs in second heaven. It means that he is in the atmosphere of the earth. Absolutely. Why? Because the prince of the power of the air means that he is the prince of human structures, human government Mm -hmm. in this atmosphere. That's very clear in the Greek. Very, very clear in the Greek that Satan's princeliness is in the atmosphere of the earth. Mm -hmm. Now, next scriptures you need to deal with is the concept of um, Daniel, in, that Daniel brings, where the Prince of Persia and the Prince of Greece fight the Archangel Michael to bring the answer or the solution to a vision, the interpretation of some revelation that he's had, to bring the answers to prayer. We think of that coming down the yeah. stairs towards us, rather than where are the territorial demons? In the only place they can be, on the territory. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's more a coming through rather than a coming a down. A descending. And if you want to, uh, if you're visual, rather than the kind of steps, you would draw the realms or the heavens like circles within circles yes. within circles yes. rather than with a, like a pyramid or steps from one to the other. And why this matters is we want purified, undefiled, revelation Mm. that doesn't make it difficult for people to access it that doesn't require a partnership with gnosticism to source it that you're not having to suddenly go oh my goodness i'm gonna have to fly around in the spirit and make all sorts of astral projection demonic things to source or hear from god no 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 what i am doing is allowing the spirit of god which indwells me to explode up out of me i understand that i am praying the john 17 that you know we're in each other christ jesus and uh, the father and the spirit and that i am prophesying in god from god who dwells with me and i dwell with him i am with him where he is he's with me where i am mm. we are bonded spirit to spirit because he is united yeah. with the lord's one with him in spirit so it's a much more straightforward thing of i settle myself in the context that is my reality yeah. already that God is with me. You know, and then God takes you wherever he pleases. He shows you. If he wants to take you to the throne room and show you yes. the third heaven, he can take you that. If he actually wants to fly with you through the earth realm and show you what is going on, he can do that, but it's from being in God. Look, in this, when we've almost spent 30 minutes talking about it, I think yeah, we have complicated this oh, man. so much. 
And the more we talk about this, it's about being in God, in God, and God in me, and, and, and I in God, and back and forward. This, this, in God, and him in me, and, and, and all this. It's so simple. Yes. And we're having to spend 30 minutes to unpick the, you need to do this, and there's this realm, and there's this realm, and there's this heaven, and this heaven, and go here, and do mm -hmm. this formula, and do this method. And I think God, again, is saying, look, I want simplicity. Not basic, but simplicity. You have made things complicated that actually I made simple. Be yes. in me, and I in you. And from that overflow i explode and from that place you steward a purity of revelation and a purity of a voice and for those of you watching i want you to hear the liberation because some of you have felt so frustrated i'm not having this encounter and i hear these people tell me about this encounter yeah it feels like third heaven is so far off and i'm such a failure because i've not mm. experienced that get in god and let the god who is within you explode and can i say when you live that life mm -hmm. of union and fellowshipping he trusts you with a purity of revelation that is yep. about the eternal it is about god himself not just created spaces yes and the sense of the word abiding yeah abiding yeah. abiding is absolutely fundamentally key here mm -hmm. now i think as well there's this sense of like if you, it's a lie. It's it's a biblical nonsense. Mm. Oh, you've got to prophesy from the third heaven because prophecy must always sound redemptive. You must be able to see or hear redemption in the prophetic word. That is just not citable in scripture. And so I, we do have the reality and the truth that God is a God who restores yeah. and that God makes all things new, mm -hmm. absolutely, and that God redeems. Yes, yes, yes. So, and God is a God of justice and we, we totally hang our hats on that. But how that sounds is sometimes strange. So let's talk about Hezekiah. Isaiah says to Hezekiah, you are going to die. What a word. It doesn't sound redemptive at all. It really does not. It's not that Western word of, I'm going to give you lots of steps, I'm going to give you lots of caveats, I'm going to give you, you know, lots more layers in this to soften. Yeah. This. And sometimes what you see in scripture is the shock of a prophet who is in God. God come on. Now, what happens is it's so has a shocking impact on Hezekiah that actually he changes his ways and he lives he a lot longer. So ultimately, yes, God makes all things new, God restores, God redeems. Yeah. But sometimes it is through the shock of it yeah. that initially doesn't sound rounded that God works yeah. out his purposes. So prophecy is not about sounding redemptive but it's about creating opportunity for redemption totally. and often in the creating of opportunity for redemption yes. there is ultimatums and there are words of correction and there are words of tearing down why because there are some things that need to be broken now that you can then move into the redemptive place and yes. this is the point of being in god and not being in created spaces and you know just as we're on this i've had this words it, it's it so gripped me um, yeah. over the last uh, couple of days where God has said, you have become my editors. Yeah. You have become my editors mm -hmm. when instead I've asked you to become my echoes. And yeah. what does that mean? We are taking the words of God mm -hmm. and we are washing them through created spaces. Mm -hmm. We're washing them through 
created filters yeah. and we're making God more palatable yes. according to our agendas yes. rather than the integrity of I must be accurate to what God said and how he said it and how dare we question whether or not God is redemptive when he speaks and redemption is not yeah. about someone feeling good redemption actually is about the work of God achieving what it wants in an individual's life of a turnaround yeah. and you'll know look if I was to prophesy over you in a way that we would find redemptive and and maybe there's someone on here who is bound in sin or whatever that may be or yeah. or, or whatever it might be you know I could say oh, you know God just really loves you and he's he's, he's for you yeah. and, and actually that that may sound redemptive but it may not produce redemption but if the word was to come forward there's a choice life or death and God is actually saying you are on the cusp yeah. of going down a death path here and the Lord says measure your choice which I actually had to prophesy recently which wasn't pleasant yeah. and it turned the person to choose another path yeah. that word does not sound redemptive but it produced redemption and I think when we have the language to each other of um Oh, pro prophecy must always be redemptive. Pro prophecy must must always be redemptive. Mm. It actually is saying this: don't have any space for confrontation. Yeah. Don't challenge me. Don't challenge me. Mm -hmm. Just tell me how it's all sweet and lovely yeah. in the end, and, and and that is dangerous. And here is Jesus, who is completely non-compliant, and you know he's always violating structures. Yeah. He's always telling you. In love, he is telling. It is not rudeness. Uh, yeah. It is in love. Uh, 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 he he is speaking in love, but he's always violating. Mm. Sometimes your preferences, oh, yeah. your your sins, your your choices, your and even yeah. when he um, creates mud with his spit, and and puts it in the person's eye, he's breaking the structure of the Sabbath, mm. and he's asking a, a man to walk on the Sabbath further than you were allowed to walk on the Sabbath to give testimony. And he has no problem with being non-compliant yeah. with what the religious spirit has said is the way it should be. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the measure of our words, unfortunately, has become, will, pe will people be happy when I prophesy this? Yes, yes, yes. Rather than the measure of our words ultimately should be, Will God be happy when I prophesy this? Yes. Will God be happy with this mm -hmm. reflection of how I share his voice mm -hmm. rather mm -hmm. than how we've unfortunately come down the, the road of will people be happy when I mm -hmm. prophesy this mm -hmm. word? I'm just going to uh, I've got two stories to illustrate this. I I, I think it's okay to say uh, I'll not mention uh, uh, physical locations because that might identify the person or people. But I was prophesying over a husband and wife team and they were moving from one location to another. And I felt a real check in my spirit about it. And I, I really heard the Lord say, don't move there. Don't go to this location. Just don't go to this location. Um, and actually there was an offer in it that if they were brave enough, they could bypass that and leap into the fullness that God had for them. Well, you know, they live in a different nation. I don't see them very often. And months went by and eventually they contacted me and they say, said to me, we moved to the location you said not to go to and our world has fallen apart. A really painful, mm -hmm. actually really difficult situation. And the sense of, you know, understanding that God had spoken and redemption was... Um, not go here and you will flourish, but redemption was don't, don't do go there. Yeah. Totally. 
and it was a, it was a, it was actually a, a warning in that sense. And warnings yes. don't sound redemptive, but they are. Now I'm I'm going to see if I can anonymise this. I've just received an email, um, just pulled it up on my phone, um, from a church leader who, um, again I'll not tell you the nation, said, uh, um, uh, I've only actually ever met this church leader once. Mm. Quite uh, look, I think by the date here, uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, so I don't actually know that I would be able to pick them out in a crowd because I only met them once and yeah, prophesied briefly, over yeah. them. So um, uh, there's no great sense of uh, knowing here. So I'm prophesying over them. This is their email to me about the moment that we met and the moment that I prophesied over them. This person knew they were in transition, but they were dragging their feet. <laughs> and they, she, he says this, you busted me up. I hope that's positive. It is positive. Um, and without any knowledge, you told me I lived in the wrong state and that grace for my life there had dried up and that the Lord said, stop fighting for a place where there's no more grace. Mm. Now, that's not easy for me to deliver or for them no. to hear. So apparently I go on, they say, and I affirm some things and I warn them not to go to a particular place and said it would not turn out well. So this person says it was difficult because they were going to the place that I told them not to go or the Lord said not to go yeah, to. They had to change a lot. They had to change quite a bit. Yeah, it was significant. They had to acknowledge that where they were was wrong and where they were going was, was also wrong. wrong. Mm. And that is That's challenging tough. for everybody. And they were well down the line on planning. Yep, yep, yep. It seems so, certainly from this email. And then, and then the leader writes, within four months, God supernaturally lo relocated them to currently where they are, that the word of the Lord is right, that if they got the right location, fruit would come. They're living in a mass amount of fruit. They're very grateful, even though it was a difficult word in the moment. In fact, they're very, very grateful in yeah. this email. And they now know why their original destination would not have worked out, even though in that moment they did not see it. Wow redemption but it didn't sound like it it didn't sound like it and it is this sense of when a prophet is prophesying from the spirit of god inside of god it is always going to have redemption even though it doesn't sound always sweet in the totally, moment totally so we're we're learning here as prophets we're learning not to make it so complicated we're learning not to get all these realm stuff wrong although to be fair sam one of the great joys of my life is to be caught up totally. in the spirit and to have the sheer adventure of seeing the, the unseen realm. realms absolutely. the spirit realm absolutely yeah, I, we we all love, yeah, that, love that kind of yeah. thing um but most of the prophecy when I'm standing either with a microphone in my hand or a hand laid on somebody's shoulder, whatever context I find myself in, I only have to do a very small adjustment yeah. to totally connect with the entire weight of the person and the glory of God who I am in and he is in me mm. and I am able to bring the word of the Lord. Oh, come on. Let's not make it ugly and complicated complicated or sounding like something that pleases man yeah. rather than pleases god wow well what an episode what, 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 what a yeah, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, yeah. A, there's a lot in there sam can you just pray for people yeah. 
um, as we as we exit this, and that sense of um, the simplicity of revelation yeah. and the joy of abiding. Mm. Let's just bless people into that. Yes, family, I bless you right now to stop making things so complicated. Mm -hmm. And everywhere there has been an ugly complexity that has come around you like a ball of wool, of tangled wool, that just makes it hard for you to encounter the God who is already mm -hmm. in you and around you. I break that off in the name of Jesus and I ignite you. Right now as you listen to this, I ignite you into a lifestyle of prophesying and being and living in God and God in you that he may in that place take you wherever he pleases whether it's the third or the first or whatever place it is he takes you there because you're in him and he's in you and simplicity comes back in in the name of Jesus and I bless you to be a pure voice of revelation in Jesus name Amen. Amen. I, and I bless you into courage. Yeah, courage. I bless you into courage just to say what God wants, mm. to be what God wants. I bless you into an echo of his voice Come on. and not into something man-made, not into Saul's armor yeah. where you're the shape of something that you don't need to be. But I bless you into the ease of echoing God in Jesus' name. Well, what a, a rip-roaring episode. Yeah. Thank you for joining us at this amazing table of what the prophets say with Sam and I. It's our pleasure to love you. It's our pleasure to serve you and to just chat with mm. uh, honestly with what's on our hearts. And we will see you next time at What the Prophets Say. Thank you for listening to this episode of What the Prophets Say with me, Emma Stark. If you would like to go deeper with us, you would be very welcome to join our network, the Global Prophetic Alliance. You can find that at propheticscots.com, where we have a comprehensive training program to lead you into deeper realms of the Spirit of God and encounter. If you feel a call and a pull to deliverance ministry, you can download my latest e-course, which is a comprehensive overview of getting people free from demonic oppression, you'll find that at demonbusting.com. Join us on these different platforms for more interaction with Emma Stark, Sam Robertson and the GPA team.